You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why did Kawhi Leonard have to have a hurt ankle? Why? Why, Lord? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I'm joking. You know, but uh, uh, <clears throat> sometimes we have questions for the Lord. That's, that's our, our, our sermon series here, and today we're going to close this out. We've talked about a number of why questions. But speaking about the Spurs, you know, we, we may ask, why do, do bad things happen to good people? Why, why do those things happen? I, I've told you this story before, and I, and I love to do it. Back in 1996, yeah, I was a Spurs fan back then. The best player on the team, his name was David Robinson. And he got injured in game six out of 82 games right at the beginning of the season. That destroyed the season. The Spurs had the, a terrible win-loss record. They did absolutely terrible. And everybody's saying, why, why? We did, it's a terrible season. Why did he get injured? But how many know there was a purpose behind it, right? Because they had such a terrible record, they got the number one pick in the next year's draft, and they picked this guy named Tim Duncan, right? And if David Robinson hadn't gotten injured, and if the Spurs hadn't done so terrible, they wouldn't have gotten Tim Duncan. And, of course, we know five championships later, right? <laughs> we, we say, hey, man. What I'm saying is sometimes there's some good when we think there's only bad. You know what I'm saying? And so today we're going to talk about this. Now, I'm not going to give you all the answers, but I'm going to lead you to the one who does have all the answers. There's a question that the disciples ask. It's found in John chapter 9, verse number 1, because a bad thing happened to a man. And it says right here, as he went along, speaking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. Let me stop right there. A man blind from birth. Bad things. Why does... Do bad things happen to, to a good person? I, I imagine this was a good person, but he was born blind. Bad things. How do we respond to that? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I'll stop right there. The disciples had this mentality that because something bad had happened to this man, being born blind, there was a, either he had sinned, or his parents had sinned. How many know that's a false mentality? It doesn't, no, it doesn't mean that just because something bad happens to you that you sinned or that your parents sinned. No, no, no. But unfortunately, the disciples had the wrong perspective on this. And uh, they had that something must have happened that caused this. But how many know sometimes God supersedes what we might think? So then verse 3, Jesus gives us the answer here in John 9. It says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. What? There is a purpose for a bad thing happening? Yeah, there is. And one of those purposes is simply this, that, that God's works, that God's power might be displayed even through a bad situation. Are we in agreement that sometimes we need to turn to God when bad things happen? Father, thank you for the privilege we have to be in your house today. 
We thank you for your beautiful presence. Holy Spirit, continue to minister in this place as we call upon you. We pray that you would fill this place and fill our hearts with your presence. As we get into the teaching of your word, Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher? Reveal to us what we need to learn from Scripture. We give you the glory and praise, and we thank you for even today and the lessons we're going to learn. In the name of Jesus, we pray. You may be seated. Why do bad things happen to good people? We ask that question. And we may not, once again, have all the answers, but today we're going to just maybe evaluate a few stories where we can learn some lessons from Scripture. This, coming, this past Thursday evening, a bad thing happened. Probably you heard of it in the news, a major fire near Ingram Park Mall Thursday evening, and one of our own San Antonio firefighters passed away, Scott Dean. How many of you have been praying for the Dean family? And it happened here. Tragedy. Tragedy. When I saw the fire, when I saw the news, my heart went out and prayed for the Dean family. And um, we need to continue to pray for them and even a couple others, other uh, firefighters that were injured uh, in this event. But we may ask ourselves, why, Lord? Why would this good man, uh, someone who's who's um, representing our city, saving lives. Why, Lord, would he die? And we don't always have the answers, but I do want to take a few minutes to look at Scripture. Why do we have to deal with, with so many things? Why do bad things happen to good people? Tornadoes, terrorism, cancer, car accidents, school shootings, and the list goes on and on. I'd like to take a look at three characters in the scriptures that tell us about, uh, help us, lead us toward that direction of answering this question. But more importantly, we are looking at the, who the answer is, and that is Jesus. So lesson number one is this. Bad things are tests from God. Bad things are tests from God. And we learned this from Job. So for the next few minutes, we want to take a look at Job. In Job chapter 1, let's read this story. We're going to kind of do a quick overview because you may be familiar with this story. If you're not, then you can read the book of Job in the Old Testament. It says in verse 1, In the land of Uz there was a man who lived, the man, a man, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people in the east. Then you jump to verse number 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, God and Satan were having a little dialogue, Have you considered my servant Job? There was no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him in his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that the flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Hmm. I know the devil's wrong again here. Okay. <laughs> Verse 12, the Lord said to Satan, Very well, then everything he has in, is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Okay. So there's that conversation that goes on. So 
we won't take the time to read, but you probably in the next few verses may know that Satan attacked Job. His children died. He lost his wealth. He lost his possessions. Everything, you know, went down one bad thing after another. And we ask that question, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, there's a few lessons we can learn from this, this book of Job. So let's quickly walk through them because I, I want us to learn to try to answer these deep questions. Lesson number one in the letter A is this. Satan is the author of evil. Let's identify who our enemy is. Satan is the author of evil. And he's the one who prowls around like a roaring lion. And as long as you and I are on the face of this earth and walk this, uh, the land on this earth, then what's going to happen? We're going to have to deal with Satan, whether we like it or not. That's just the way it is. Secondly, letter B, committed believers are the target, are a target of the enemy. If you are a committed believer to Jesus Christ, you are going to be attacked. Let me just put it to you that way. If you are a committed believer of Jesus Christ, you are going to be attacked. Job was righteous and upright, Scripture says here, and he was, he was attacked. So if you're going through some attacks from the enemy, praise God, you know what, that means, that means you're on the right track because Satan's trying to bring you down. Satan's trying to bring you down. And uh, we've got to just be aware of that, okay? Letter C, brokenness is always a step toward your victory. Brokenness is always a step toward your victory. We find that Job was broken. He tore his robe. He shaved his head because of all the tragedy that he was having to deal with. One tragedy after another tragedy. His possessions, his family, even his wife says, why don't you curse God and die? And he was broken before God. And today, I want you to think just for a few moments about that terminology, brokenness. What does that mean? And, and, and I'm going to say this, brokenness is always a step toward victory. If you want victory in your life, brokenness is always one of those steps that's, that takes you there. A.W. Tozer says this, God never uses anyone greatly until he tests them deeply. I'll say that again. God never uses anyone greatly until he tests them deeply. What a great quote from A.W. Tozer. And for Job, this was a test. Satan thought that Job would give up his faith in God when he faced a test, but the good news is Job passed the test. So let's take a look at this thing of brokenness. Can God use a broken person? Yes, he can. Perhaps you are in that boat and you know what it's like to be broken before God. The truth is God often uses broken people. God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop. It takes broken clouds to give rain. It takes broken grain to give bread. It takes broken bread to give strength. It took a broken alabaster box that gave forth perfume to Jesus. It was a broken Jesus who gave forth life. And it is broken families and broken cities and broken nations that can turn their hearts to God, and God can take that and heal a family, heal a person, heal a nation. Brokenness is a step towards our victory. Letter D, another lesson we learned from Job is this. Attitude makes a world of difference. Attitude makes a world of difference. 
You see, some people have the attitude when they face a bad situation, bad thing has happened, they blame God. It's so easy to blame God, and that's a natural human reaction. God, why did you do this? God, why? And some people do curse God. Let me read to you Job's response. It's found in verse 20 of, verse, of uh, chapter number 1. It says this, at this, Job got up. This is after he faced one tragedy after another. Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. In other words, he didn't blame God. Once again, it's so easy for us to blame God. God, why did this happen? Job didn't blame God. He had a great attitude. A great attitude. Let me give you a life lesson. I kind of like this one. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. Unless you, until you change it, you can't go anywhere. Just a thought. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you can't go anywhere. Job 27, verses 3 and 4, listen to what Job says. As long as my, bre- as my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood and my tongue will not utter deceit. In other words, Job made a commitment. I'm not going to speak any wrong word against God. God is not to blame for all this junk that has happened in my life. It's so easy for us to blame God. But the challenge is, can we have a God-like attitude? Attitude makes a world of difference. Letter E, another lesson we learned from Job is this. God is always in control. God is always in control. Just trust that God is in control. Even when things don't look good, even when things seem to be falling apart, God is in control. Listen to what Job says in chapter 23, verse 13. He says, but he, speaking about God, is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. In other words, Job says, you know what? I'm not going to question God. I'm not going to question God's character. He's going to complete what he began in me. That is a great attitude. And he had confidence to know that God, despite all the junk that was going on in in Job's life, he had the attitude, God is still in control. I love what he says in chapter 42, verse 2. Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, Job says, there's a purpose in here somewhere. And I know nothing, God, will detour you from your purpose for my life. Isn't that a great attitude? Even when he was facing the most difficult of situations. Now, did he go through some hard times? Yes. What was the result? When all was said and done, God turned around and blessed him with twice as many children. God blessed him with twice as many uh, cattle and possessions because of Job's faithfulness. Well, my friend, we do face difficult times. There's not any of us in this room that is exempt from difficult times in life. But today we're learning lessons about the purpose in that all. Job says, nothing's going to thwart your purpose for my life. Number two, God has a way of bringing good out of bad. 
And for the next few minutes, I want to take a second character and an example of someone who faced bad situations, who was a good person, was Joseph. So let's take a look at the life of Joseph. Before we read from Genesis 50 verse 20, just a quick rundown about how, how many bad things happened to Joseph. He was almost killed by his brothers, but instead they sold him to some Egyptians. So he was disowned and sold by his brothers and sent to a foreign land. He was, um, once again, bad things. He was hated by his brothers, bad things. Sold to Egyptians, bad thing. He was forced to live in a foreign country, away from his culture, away from his family, away from his God, another bad thing. He was falsely accused of rape, another bad thing. He was thrown into prison, another bad thing. One bad thing after another. But you know what, Joseph, he had what a great attitude. As he looked to his brothers later on when things came together, he said this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Wow. He says, you know what? <laughs> Did bad things happen? Yes. But you know what? You, my brothers, intended to harm me, but God intended things to turn around for the good, the saving of many lives. God has a way, we learn from Joseph, of bringing good out of bad. Because in the midst of it all, we read a, a number of times through Joseph's story that God was with him. And to me, that makes a world of difference that God is with me. I don't have to face these situations alone. Genesis 39.2 says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Genesis 39.23 says the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success. Time and time again, even though Joseph found himself in the midst of bad things happening to him, the Lord was with him. And to me, that's all that matters. To me, that, that the Lord is with you. So let's learn Three lessons from Joseph. Letter A, lesson one. Your response creates your path in life. Your response creates your path in life. In other words, bad things are going to happen. Okay, They're going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So your response creates your path in life. You can either say, God, I'm mad at you. I'm not going to trust you anymore. And you can walk away from God. And walking away from God, you're creating a path that's going to lead you down the wrong way of life. Or you can say, God, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't get it, but I want to trust you for that. So, Lord, because of this, I want to spend more time with you. I want to talk to you more. I'm going to pray more. Lord, I don't understand, but I just want to trust you all the more. That's the right path. Your response to these bad things leads you down a path. The question is, which path does it lead you down? Are you going away from God or towards God? Life lesson, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. Just a thought, because we all go through challenging situations. We cannot control many things that happen to us, but we can control how we respond. So I ask you, how do you respond when things are not going well? Do you question God? Do you blame God? Or do you run to God as your source of strength during the bad times? Do you let bad things overcome you? Or do you overcome bad things? The choice is yours. And based on your choice, you choose a path for life. Trusting God or walking away from God. 
Joseph chose the path of trusting God. Letter B. Secondly, we can learn from Joseph that God uses negative circumstances to speak to you. Yeah, God was speaking to Joseph, and Joseph was attentive spiritually. Okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? I, I just need to hear from you. Joseph was a man who would listen to God. In fact, he had dreams and visions, and he would hear the voice of God. Now, we need to be extra attentive to the voice of God, especially during some negative circumstances. Sometimes, sometimes a negative circumstance could be a wake-up call. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God wants to get your attention, so he allows something negative. He allows a bad thing because, after all, if you're going along in life and everything seems to be doing fine, oh, things are fine, things are hunky-dory, and sometimes we forget about God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We forget about God. Kind of reminds me of 9-11, a tragedy. Bad things happen on 9-11. I'll never forget that the Sunday after 9-11, this church was full. For two or three weeks after 9-11, this church was full. Churches all across America were full because people were running to God. It was a wake-up call to America. Anybody remember that? It was a wake-up call. It was a tragedy. My heart goes out to those 3,000-plus individuals who lost their lives. Did they deserve to, to, to death? No, they didn't. Tragedy, bad things happening to good people. And it was a wake-up call literally for America, but then it seemed as though a month or two later we went back to sleep because things went back to normal and people became lackadaisical about their relationship with God. People began slowly to become indifferent again about searching and seeking God. I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Oh, I like that. Sometimes God says, hello, don't forget about me. <laughs> and sometimes God uses negative circumstances to speak to you. I want to spend time with you, my son, my daughter. I want to spend time with you. Would you come to me? Someone once said, Christ followers are like tea bags. You don't know what is in them until they are put in hot water. Just a thought. Lesson number three or letter C from Joseph is this. God has the big picture in mind. God has the big picture in mind. You see, God sees a big picture. Sometimes when we're in the middle of a mess, when we're in the middle of a tragedy or a bad situation, that's all we can think of. We, we, it's on our mind when we go to sleep. It's on our mind when we wake up. How do I deal with this? How do I get over this? And it just consumes so many of us when we're going through a bad situation. And I understand, but sometimes it consumes us so much that we don't see the big picture. Oftentimes, we may be, maybe something that happened to you four or five years ago. Now, today, you look back, oh, I kind of see what was happening. You didn't see it then, but you see it now. Because now that you're uh, uh, four or five years away from that, you kind of see the big picture. Oh, this is what God was trying to do. See, in Joseph's case, God needed to save a nation because there was a famine coming to the land. So God picked Joseph, and he put Joseph through some very difficult, bad times, but God was raising up Joseph to be a ruler in Egypt to save the people of God. God was looking at the big picture. 
Sometimes we only see a little bit of God's plan in our lives, and we tend to just be tunnel-visioned on, oh, I'm going through this situation, and we don't see what God has in mind in the big picture. I have heard countless of testimonies from individuals who go through some bad things and difficult situations. Let me give you a few examples of a few testimonies. And it leads, somehow, some way, it leads them to be closer to God. Somebody once said this, I was diagnosed with cancer, so I realized that my life was short, and I started, I need to start serving God. Someone else said, my mom passed away, and I realized that I needed to carry on her spiritual legacy. Someone else said, I was laid off from my job, and I realized that I needed to get my priorities in order. Someone else said, my boyfriend dumped me, and I was hurting, and then I realized finally that my relationship with God was more important than my relationship with this loser. That was your testimony, okay? Okay, well, wow, was it, what happened here? All these negative situations turned out for the good, you know? And, and once they started, sometimes we start to see the big picture. God sees the big picture from the get-go. God knows what he's doing, and God knows he, he wants to allow things to happen for a reason, for a purpose. I praise God for that. You face some difficult times. I have. I, you know, uh, I was. I had certain plans in, in in my life. Even when ministry began for me, I praised God for my upbringing at my dad's church. And there came a point in time that that I realized, you know what, <laughs> I, I I I was I needed to leave, and I was thinking, Lord, but that was not the plan, God. Are you, I'm supposed to stay here for the rest of my life at my dad's church. But you know what? How many know God's ways are so much better than our ways? And, and I ask those why questions. Why, God? I don't get it. But because of that situation, 22 years ago, Fortress Church began. And now in, God was looking at the big picture, okay? God was looking at the big picture. And if I hadn't gone through what I went through, and I praise God for my upbringings. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying, you know, God had a purpose in that. And sometimes we look at the minute thing, why, God, I don't want to start something new. I just want to, I was, you know, asking God the why questions. I was at the beginning looking at, at this little why question, but God was seeing the big picture. He was going to see what God was going to do through this ministry here. What I'm saying is sometimes we've got to open up our spiritual eyes and see that the pain that we go through for a little while leads to victory. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of surgery. Most of us, or many of us, have gone through some sort of surgical procedure. Sometimes they put you out, anesthesia, and you know what the doctor does? He comes up with his big old knife, okay? <laughs> and he cuts into you. And we may say, what's that all about? It's painful, unless you have anesthesia, right? But even after that wears off, it's painful. So why would the doctor have the audacity to get a knife and cut into your skin? That's painful, that hurts. Yeah, but there's a reason for that. There's a purpose for that. Yeah, there's going to be some recovery time. You're going to need some meds and to help you with the pain. But the end result is healing. Am I right? The end result is healing. And sometimes Dr. Jesus has to get his spiritual knife and, and cut into our lives. And we have to deal with some bad situations and painful situations in life and we don't know god why why and then it takes time for us to recover but in the end 
there's spiritual healing. God is glorified. And the Lord knows what he's doing because he sees the big picture. He sees the big picture. I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. He says this, To choose suffering makes no sense at all. To choose God's will in the midst of our suffering makes all the sense in the world. I want to say that again. To choose suffering makes no sense at all. To choose God's will in the midst of our suffering makes all the sense in the world. You see, can we choose God's will? Well, we talked about Job, learned a few lessons from him. We talked about Joseph for a few moments, learned a few lessons from him. The third character I want to talk about also, his name begins with the letter J, and that's Jesus. Did bad things happen to Jesus? Yeah. Lesson number three, God has a way of turning our focus on the eternal. It's a great lesson we learned from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Did bad things happen to Jesus? Yes, it did. Job says this. And I kind of like this, Job chapter 8, verse 9. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing, but our days on earth are but a shadow. In other words, he's saying, God has everything in control. God has your days and my days numbered. He has life taken care of. Could we trust him with life? Can we trust him with our eternity? God has a way of turning our focus on the eternal. Is, is there something in your life today that you're, you're having difficulty understanding? Lord, why do I have to deal with this? What is happening to me? You see, there's times that we just say, Lord, I, I don't have the answers. The other night in, uh, we had a, a minister's um, convention, our district council of the Sims of God, and Tim Barker said this. I wrote it down. He says, you don't have to know everything. You just need to know the one who does. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to know the one who does. Because we ask these why questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there evil in this world? Why is life not fair? Can I tell you something? I'm so glad that life is not fair. I'm so glad. You know why? Because <clears throat> God, God ble is blessing me. God blesses me here. God blesses me there. And can I say something? I don't deserve it. So I'm so glad life is not fair. I'm glad that life is not fair. You know what? Because if life was fair, I'd be on my way to hell. If life was fair, I would be spending eternity in hell. That's right. Because I'm an imperfect person. I've sinned. But can I tell you something? I am so glad that life is not fair. Because life is not fair, I don't get hell. I get heaven. I get eternal life because of my faith in Jesus Christ. But some people complain, God, why is life not fair? Just be glad. Just be glad that life is not fair. Did bad things happen to Jesus? Yeah, bad things happened to him. But there was a purpose for it. Jesus was flogged. He was beaten. He was crucified. And yet, he was innocent. Why do bad things happen to good people? Roman soldiers drove nails in Jesus' hands and feet. They pressed a crown of thorns on his head. They drove a spear through his side. Did he deserve all of that? No, he was innocent. Why did those bad things happen to this good person? 
And then I think about this. Wait a minute. All these bad things that we're describing that happened to Jesus, the stripes on his back, the crown of thorns on his head, the, the, the nails in his hands and feet, the spear in his side, is it, did we call it Good Friday? But it was bad things? Hang on a minute. Why do we call it Good Friday? Because of all the good that came out of all the bad. Does anybody get that? We call it Good Friday because of all the good that came out of all the bad. <clears throat> That's why we call it Good Friday. Because what happened on Good Friday? Was it bad things? Yeah, bad things. But was it good things? Because of what Jesus did, because of the bad things that he took on for himself, for my sake and yours, the price for our sins was paid. Jesus made a way for you and I to have eternal life. Amen. I'm so glad that I see the good that came out of the bad. Jesus bore stripes on his back so that you and I could be healed. That's the good that came out of the bad. The curtain of the temple was torn in two so that now we have access into the presence of God. That's good coming out of bad. Satan was defeated. Death was destroyed. Jesus made a way for you to be set free. And all this happened on Good Friday. All this bad turned into good. Oh, well, thank you, Jesus. Can anybody say thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus, for all the bad that you endured because of all the good results that came out of it. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me right now? Father, speak to us right now. And Lord, we may not know all the answers to the questions of why. Why do bad things happen to good people? But Lord, we certainly can say you are the answer. We may not have the answers, but we know the one who does. Thank you, Lord. With your head bowed and eyes closed, I ask you the question, how is your personal relationship with the Lord? I hope that you're not here at church just because of religion's sake. I hope you're here because you love Jesus, because you want more of him, because you want to develop that relationship with him. If you don't have that relationship with him, then this today is your opportunity this is your opportunity. Are you ready to surrender your life to him? What a great decision that would be. What a great opportunity that would be. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Because we want to encourage you. We want to lift you up because of that decision to serve Jesus. That would be a great decision. Amen. Others of you, maybe you have asked God these why questions. God, why is life not fair? God, why is there evil in this world? God, why do bad things happen to good people? Once again, you don't have to know all the answers. You just simply need to know the one who does have all the answers. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. What a privilege it is to know him on a personal basis. We're going to spend some time in prayer. There are prayer partners to my right and to my left, and we would love the privilege of praying with you, praying in agreement with you, believing with you, because you know what? I believe God wants to speak to you. Whether you're going through a, a difficult situation or whether you're not, God wants to speak to you today. Can we take some time to listen? 
Can we take some time to hear the voice of God? No matter what you're dealing with, God is going to speak to you. He is. We just need to listen. We're going to take some time in prayer. Once again, prayer partners are here at the front. We would love to pray in agreement with you, or if you want to get along with God, you can do so as well. Some of the things we're going to be praying for are listed. They'll be on the screen. Pray that your faith, number one, your faith in God increases when you're dealing with negative situations. Number two, let's pray that God that we would listen to God during difficult times. Can we pray, number three, that God would open up our spiritual eyes so that we would see his big picture? And number four, can we pray that God would be glorified with everything that happens in our lives? As we pray, let's focus on, on what God wants to say to us today. The altars are open. I invite you to find a place of prayer and invite you to come to any of our prayer partners as we want to lift you up in the name of Jesus. Let's find a place of prayer. Can we? Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Pru Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.